The last few episodes, we've been talking SMART goals, but not like what we hear about in professional development sessions. In PD, we hear all about how SMART goals are the way to the key to school improvement, right? Administrators, gurus, everybody, they focus on how this tool can be used to raise school grades, standardize test scores, and eventually improve student learning. While all of that sounds fantastic, I respectfully disagree. SMART goals are most effective when we focus on the individual skill deficits that our students have and filling in those gaps to make big gains. Figuring out how to actually make those gains is what we're going to talk about this week. Before we get started on that topic, though, I want to ask you, do you feel confident in your progress monitoring techniques? I know a lot of teachers who just they don't feel like they ever really got started on the right foot with progress monitoring. They've always just felt at least a step or maybe two or ten behind. That's why I made my five steps to getting started with progress monitoring guide. Here, I give simple, actionable steps to get you confidently on your way to data tracking and to high-quality progress monitoring. I've included a few observation and data tracking sheets to just get you started. If you're like so many of my friends, this guide can get you confidently progress monitoring this week. To get a hold of my guide, check out the link in the show notes or head over to Instagram and click on the link in my bio or send me a DM. I'd be glad to send you the link directly. Either way, grab that guide so that whenever you need that progress monitoring data, it's ready for you. Hi, I'm Jessica Curtis of Teaching Struggling Learners. I'm a boy mom and a veteran teacher. You're listening to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast, where we talk all about helping students succeed academically, socially, and behaviorally. Thank you so much for tuning in. Smart goals are not the magic ticket that are going to solve all the problems we have in education. Yeah, I said what I said. I've sat through the PD sessions that say this or that one thing is going to fix education or solve all our problems. And by now, I think we can all agree that it's never going to be one thing that solves all the issues that we now face in education. The solution to the issues we face is going to be many small steps in the right direction. But I think there are certain steps that are going to give us a bigger boost than others. If you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you know that I firmly believe that teachers are amazing and can teach just about any student if they're given the resources they need. I am also a firm believer that teachers who know how to collect and use data can make powerful changes in the lives of their students, their classroom, their schools, I mean, heck, education overall. What teachers understand but has been misunderstood by politicians, gurus, all those people, is that the focus cannot ever be on school improvement. The focus must be on student success and improvement. No, no, those two phrases are not the same thing. 
School improvement focuses on increases in performance on a select few tests, while student improvement focuses on specific skills that students need. Guys, that's a big difference between those two. They're not the same thing. This is where we as teachers can use SMART goals to make huge gains for our students and make a lasting impact on their lives. When we create and track a SMART goal that targets a specific skill deficit, which is the root cause of those, you know, the other skill struggles that they're having, we can bolster our students' ability to succeed. Like we talked about in previous episode, just making a goal is not enough. We have to track how the student is doing to make sure that the goal creation wasn't a wasted effort. Here's the secret, a little secret that the gurus don't tell you in the PD sessions. The more specific you make your goal with a shortened time frame, the easier it is to track and the more impactful your results will be. For example, Creating a goal that a student will increase their reading comprehension skills from 60 to 80% accuracy by the end of the semester, oh man, yeah, that sounds great. But is that goal actually targeting the underlying skill deficit? It is actually very rare for a student to struggle with quote-unquote comprehension of a text that they can read and decode fluently. If that's the case for your student, Check listening comprehension because that may be impacting their comprehension. Hey, just a little note. A better goal for that student could be, depending on like, you know, the skill deficit that the student has, the student will be able to read 80 of the first 100 sight words by the end of the nine-week period. Another example could be the student will be able to decode CVC and silent E words with 80% accuracy by the end of the nine weeks. By shortening the time frame and giving a very specific skill we're working on, we make data tracking so much easier. And improvements are useful. They're impactful. They do something. The first goal is like throwing spaghetti at the wall. We're going to try all these things like, you know, we're going to work on decoding and we're going to do fluency and we're going to, you know, do all these things to improve that comprehension. Okay, some may work but the results we get tend to be pretty random. The example goals give us a very specific thing to track, and we will know very quickly if what we're working on, what we're trying or intervention is working or not. Now about that data collection. No, I love my data. Okay, maybe too much, but you know, oh well, somebody has to love the data. I gotta make up for everybody else who hates it, right? Once you have your specific SMART goal, the data really collects itself. You just have to decide how you're going to record it. For example, if your goal is to be able to read a specific set of sight words, then you'll be working on those sight words anyway. Probably already doing a quick check weekly to see if the student remembers the words from the week, right? Write the data down. That's it. You could just do a check of the words the student is able to read once a week. That data will tell you if the student is retaining the words that you've worked on. Having a few word lists of CVC, silent E words, and once a week, have that student read, you know, read those lists to you to tell if the student is retaining the learning. And that's your data point right there that you just write down. That's it. It doesn't have to be a big, you know, a whole test, a big formal thing. It can be a little two, three minute thing. Really, the secret to data collection is embedding it into what you're already doing. 
The difference between collecting the data and what you're already doing is that not only are you gonna see the data points add up, you will also be able to analyze that data and figure out that maybe that activity that you thought was great isn't really getting you the results you want. But this other two minute activity or practice works better for this set of kids. Also, by putting those data points on a graph, you can decide if the student is making gains and if those gains are coming fast enough for it actually to make a difference for that student. Teachers, you know you have more than enough to do. We have to stop doing things just to do them. The activities and the supports that teachers engage in really need to give the most bang for the buck and graphing the data while you slowly try new things can give you amazing insight into what works best for you and your students. Also, <laughs> graph data makes decision making super easy. When you've been trying to teach a student the same 20 sight words for six weeks and all the tricks you've tried haven't worked, then it's pretty obvious it's time to bring in some more support. I'm not saying put the student on, in special education, do not snap your fingers and give them an IEP. I'm saying ask for suggestions from other teachers who have experience in teaching reading or in teaching kids sight words specifically. Ask for someone else to try with the student. See if they see something that might work or see something that kind of jogs their memory and helps them think of something that might work just a little bit better. Try a different intervention or take a step back and look at the overall student. Is that student ready to learn those sight words? Or is there a more basic skill deficit that was missed that's causing this difficulty? Please, as a teacher, don't get caught on the, I don't need data, I know my students train. That thought process is a disservice to amazing educators and their students. When we look at data, we are not saying a teacher doesn't know her students. Everyone knows, or they should know, that teachers know their babies, their students. I'm sorry, they're your babies, I don't care. Okay, so maybe the anti-teacher people don't have a clue, but honestly, everyone should stop listening to them anyway, because, I mean, duh. Teachers know their students. Being asked to collect data isn't a reflection on the teacher's lack of knowledge of their students. Collecting data is pointing a microscope at a specific skill and figuring out what small details are impacting that skill for better or worse. It's realizing that teachers do very much, they do so much in their classrooms. There's no possible way for us to know every tiny instance or activity that might impact a student's learning because there's way too much to keep track of. Collecting data on a specific skill helps us to figure out for that tiny piece of the puzzle what's working and how we might work differently with that student for them to make even bigger gains. Anyone who says that teachers have to collect data because they don't know their students, obviously they don't know teachers and they don't know education in general. I may have called out a few people. I don't feel bad about it. Collecting data is one tool in a very large toolbox that we teachers use to hone our craft to meeting the needs of our students. And if your schools are anything like mine, man, there are a lot of babies who need our help right now. Collecting data right now, 
That's how we can make gains and start advocating more forcefully for our students and ourselves. Next week, we're going to talk about what do we do when we have a whole caseload of students we need to collect data for? How in the world do we manage it? It's an important topic that the gurus kind of fluff over, so let's figure it out together. Until next time, may your coffee be strong, your students calm, and your data easy to find.